This is the Comp Effect Podcast. When you focus on workers' compensation, you'll have a safer work environment, more productive staff, lower expenses, and you'll crush your competition. We're sharing real-world stories, actionable tips, business-friendly advice, and information to help your business. I'm your host, Todd Tams. Enjoy the show. Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of Comp Talk. Todd Tams here, and uh, if you haven't figured out the format yet, I just want to give you a brief update. Um, currently, we're releasing two episodes a week right now. Uh, week Every Monday, we drop an hour-long podcast or so with somebody in the industry who's got something very cool to say or something cool that they're doing or some information that we think might be helpful. And then on Thursdays, we come back with a little five to 15 minute, uh, what we call comp talks, just to talk about things that are going on in the industry or provide some insight or some intelligence on what, what we think may be important. So today's episode is titled Buyer Beware. And the... The reason I'm doing this podcast today is because I'm getting extremely frustrated at some of the things that I see go on in the insurance space. Um, and it's it's frustrating for me because it adversely affects not only you, the purchaser of insurance, but the way that our industry is perceived. Um, I've always tried to go out and act like a professional and do the right thing hundred percent of the time in the interest of our clients and prospects. And there's many times where I've told people, Hey, I think your quote looks good. Or I think your policy looks good. I don't think there's anything I can do here. And if you've got a great relationship with your agent, there's really no reason for me to be here. Um, and I'm not seeing a lot of that lately. As a matter of fact, I think it's become extremely cutthroat and what I'm seeing in the, you know, in the quotes that I look at has an adverse reaction to, to you, the buyer. And so today I want to talk a little bit about some of the shady business practices that I'm seeing that I really want you to be aware of. Um, most often when a business goes out to bid on their insurance, nine times out of 10, they take whatever the last current policy is, and they give that to the person who's going to quote the insurance. There's a good chance that policy is 12 months old, hasn't been updated, and there's changes that have been made throughout the past 12 months that may or may not be included in there. Um, so it's not necessarily a complete policy by any means. But that policy is what your business is assuming that that agent is going to come back and quote, and that's what you're trusting them to do because they've come in and they've said, let me give you a quote. Just let me give you a quote. I can save you money. And nine times out of 10, that's always the conversation. Let me quote it to see if I can save you some money. And that's an appealing, that's an appealing proposition, right? We all want to save money. We all 
hate overpaying for insurance, me included. And so if we can save some money, why not do it? Well, here, here's what I think the problem is. Number one, not all agents are created the same and not all agents come from similar type of firms. And in my 18 years, I have seen agents flame out. Um, I have seen them come in and wreak havoc and maybe they can, you know, they're working on commission only a lot of times. So it's try and write as much business as they possibly can. And if they're not successful at sales, they may write a few policies, but they'll be gone after a year or two. Um, I've also seen firms and agents that don't know how to fill out applications. They don't know how to fill out cancellations. They don't know how to send a complete submission into the insurance company or it's on handwritten paper. Um, I don't think that's very professional, but I mean, you may not know that behind the scenes that somebody's trying to scramble to fill out handwritten notes to an insurance company to try and market your account. And so I guess I want to go through a couple things today that I think if you're the purchaser of insurance and you're, you're allowing quotes on your, whether it's your commercial package or workers' compensation or what, and for the purposes of today, we're just going to talk insurance in general. Um, here's some things that, here's some things that you should consider. So first of all, I would want to know the experience of the agent that has knocked on my door. Um, so many times we hear, just let me give you a quote. And we really have no background on who the agent is that just walked in their door. How long have they been in business? What type of business do they write? How long have they been at the firm? Have they been at other firms before? Are they job hopping? Is this a book roll? Where is this person coming from? And what's the experience that they have to protect your business? And the reason I say that like this is important because your business is important. You as a business owner know that there's an obligation that you have day in and day out to your employees and the people that work to support your organization to make sure that they have a job tomorrow, to make sure that your business is still in business tomorrow, to make sure that on your worst day, you can reopen again. And I don't know what the statistics are. I probably should have looked them up. But most businesses, there's a large majority of businesses that fail after a natural disaster for failure to purchase the right kind of insurance to bring them back after the disaster. And speaking for me, I'm probably not a good employee. Um, I don't want to go work for somebody else. So I make sure that my business has the right type of insurance and the right type of coverage so that on my worst day, we can still bring everybody back. We can not only protect my family's livelihood, but we can also protect my employees' family's livelihood, which is what I consider my big primary responsibility. So as your business, when you're vetting your insurance agent, ask them who they are. Um, do they write businesses like yours? What type of clients do they write? I see some people who they will sell you a health policy, a group health policy, a farm policy, an auto policy, a commercial policy, and they'll try and do it all. We call these people generalists. And I don't think, you know, unless they're an exception to the rule, there's no way you can be good at all those different lines of insurance. It's just not possible. You can't be good at health insurance at commercial insurance and farm insurance. There's not enough hours in the day to, to learn enough about all of those lines to be an expert in, in those fields. And so I would, I would encourage your business when you're soliciting bids to talk a little bit about, Hey, tell me who you are, what kind of business you write. 
Um, how long have you been doing this? I mean, just like it's an interview process, right? Before you bring somebody in to work for your company, you want to interview them. It's the same thing if you're going to interview an agent. Um, one of the things that I think we should talk about are E&O coverage. Most agents carry errors and emissions insurance in case they screw up on your policy. Agents have different limits of insurance. Um, and I will give you an example that, uh, that I think is important here. So recently with some of the weather disasters we've had in Iowa, um, there have been accounts that have been written that do not have enough insurance coverage. And so let's say, for example, uh, you've got a, I don't know, a hundred year old brick building that your office operates in or, you know, uh, a warehouse or something like that. And a tornado comes and knocks it down. If your account is written at actual cash value, maybe because the building is older and somebody said, Hey, it's not going to burn down. Nothing's going to happen to it. Uh, don't worry about it. We'll write it at ACV. And you as the owner said, Hey, I don't want it covered for anything. Anyway, I only bought it for a hundred or 200,000 bucks. That's fine. But then when that disaster comes and knocks over your building, you're responsible for cleaning it up. And there's a good chance your policy that was written at $200,000 has a 25% debris removal clause in there. And that 25% debris removal is not going to be enough to pay the landfill charges and the cleanup cost to pack up your building and ship it out to the landfill. This was a common problem because of the way policies were written to save money. And the, the issue now becomes who's going to clean that up. And there are buildings that are still laying on the ground where the, the landowner and the building owner don't, they don't have enough capital to pay for the cost to clean it up. They're bankrupt. Their business is done. They've got no more income. And here this sits as a nuisance property. That's just one example. So if I'm the agent that wrote that for you, and now you're faced with a bill, or maybe the city comes in and says, we're going to hold you responsible for cleaning it up, or we're going to do it for you and bill you. Um, and you decide, Hey, you know what? My agent caused this problem. I want to sue them. That's ENO coverage. What if they only have a half a million dollars and you just had a $3 million loss? That's probably not enough coverage. Things that you might want to ask them. Um, we're also seeing some, some, uh, some younger agents who are still trying to build their book, they're under production pressure. Uh, there's a good chance these people get a small monthly stipend or maybe they're hundred percent commission. And so they are knocking on as many doors and making as many phone calls as possible to get the opportunity to quote. It's quote, 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 quote. And the only commodity at that point is price. And if price is your only currency when choosing your risk management program, I guarantee you coverage will be cut because anybody can come in with a lower price and cut coverage. It's, it's fairly easy. It happens all the time. Uh, we can remove premier property endorsements, premier auto endorsements. Uh, we can take off things like additional insured and blanket waivers of subrogation that can usually move the policy, you know, a few thousand bucks fairly easily. And none of those things will appear on a summary of insurance that you're going to see because it's not common. Usually it's autos, uh, property, GL, work comp. So once again, it's, it's really important for your business just to kind of go through that with a fine tooth comb, make sure that you're bidding with somebody that you trust and make sure that they're not cutting coverage or additional insured, additional endorsements on the back end. That is ultimately going to end up when you need them, they're going to charge you for them and your price goes up. Right. Um, we're also seeing some accounts that are sold only to be turned over to a service center. 
maybe that's okay with your business. Maybe it's not. Um, a service center is typically designed for some smaller accounts, maybe those that are less than $20,000 in premium. Um, but when you have a service center, you're going to get somebody different every time you call. And that's how they do that. So there's nobody that you can maybe trust or advocate for you because the relationship doesn't exist when you're dealing with a service center. And I know that when people have the worst claim, they want to be able to talk to the same person time, you know, day in and day out and build some type of rapport. So they don't have to re-explain their story every single time. You're not going to get that with the service center. There's not one person that's going to advocate for you. Um, the agent that sold the account probably is not getting paid on it anymore. It's going to get transferred to a service center because it doesn't meet companies minimum revenue guidelines. And so there's really nobody that you have that's going to be an interested party. Maybe you're lucky, maybe you're the exception, but these are general, what I'm saying is a general rule here. And so the last thing I want to talk about is here's some real world, real world things that I have seen when people who I've just described before, new agents, people under production requirements are proposing coverage to one of my insureds or accounts that I have consulted on. And so once again, the, the summary that you're going to receive as a business owner is not the full policy. It's a very generic summary and it doesn't always explain everything. And so if you have questions on it, really, you know, hammer on those questions and make sure you get the answer that you feel satisfactory for your business. So here's a couple things that I've seen in the past. Um, one, in an effort for uh, this, uh, this, this insurance agent to get the business, um, there was a firm that, uh, that solicited bids and they contacted us and said, hey, would you consult on this and tell us which plan we should go with? And I said, sure, I'd be happy to do it. And so as we reviewed the proposals, there was one proposal that was substantially below everybody else's. I mean, not by a little, but by a lot. And when we dug into it, it was on the workers' compensation. And in Iowa, where I live, we use NCCI pricing. All insurance companies use the same rate. And then those can be credited or debited accordingly. And this work comp policy was so far below everybody else's, it didn't make any sense. And the summary didn't really accurately explain it because it just listed the total payroll dollars and then the premium. So we went back and we asked for the worksheets and the bid specs that came out versus what this agent submitted, they reallocated the payroll from a higher rate class to a lower rate class. So while the total payroll amount was the same, they jockeyed the payroll around to drop the premium. The problem with that is if we're buying on price and looking at that, you would think, hey, this is the best quote. In reality, it would have been the most expensive quote because 14 months after that policy was issued when they're doing the audit, they're going to reallocate that payroll back to the highest class code or the class code that it should have been in and send that business a bill. And only not only are they going to send them a bill for the last 12 months, but then they're going to endorse the current 12 months. And when you applied the correct payroll that made this policy or this proposal the most expensive out of the three that we reviewed but on paper, it looked really good. 
And this is, this is, uh, this is the honest truth. This is what the person did to try and win the business. They misrepresented their proposal, knowing that this would not be an issue till 14 months down the road when the audit came up. And there's a good chance they've got it for two years. They maybe they'll keep the account after that, or the insured won't bid, or they won't, they won't remember. But I mean, to me, it's a shady business practices. Uh, recently, we've also seen proposals come in where, well, here, here's, the, here's the big thing. So the people that are doing proposals are very vocal. Don't share this with your current agent. Don't tell them you're bidding it out. Don't say anything. Don't give them this. This is our best proposal. And nine times out of 10, uh, most of our clients say, hey, I got this proposal. I want you to take a look at it and tell me what you think. We're seeing uh, carriers come in and increase deductibles, not only on property, but also on wind and hail, um, certainly on some of the autos. Uh, recently, we just looked at one that the proposer left off half of the, the, the hazards on the liability schedule. They didn't even put them on there. Told the insured it was covered. Nowhere on the actual proposal was any of the, what they did actually listed. Um, a few years ago, I saw a proposal come through and it said, hey, we use a composite rate on vehicles. Here you go. And the auto rate was substantially lower than what they had. And when we looked at the actual composite rate, they forgot 30 vehicles. So the rate looks great until you add on those 30 vehicles and then it doesn't look so great anymore. Is that intentional? I don't know. Is it unintentional? I don't know. Is it, is it misleading? Absolutely. Um, so I guess, you know, as we're wrapping up here, it's really buyer beware. Uh, the, the number one thing I can tell a business to do is find somebody you trust and find bidders that you trust. If, if you're saying, Todd, I, I feel like I should bid out my insurance, you absolutely should. It's a good idea to go out there and test the marketplace. That's going to be into your advantage. It's a good idea to see what insurance companies are interested on you, what insurance companies are doing for rate, um, what insurance companies are doing for coverage, all of those things. But I would encourage you to make sure that when you're going to market with those companies, that you've got the agent that you feel comfortable with, that you've interviewed and vetted and think that they're going to do the best possible job for you and get you the best coverage. Because if it's a competitive bid situation and it's just about price and there isn't any firm bid spec, I guarantee you things might get shifted to try and win your business. And it's very easy for that new agent to say, well, I didn't know. Um, there was no bid specs. I, I didn't see this in your policy. Are you sure your other guy had it on there? We can add it on now. And all of those things are disadvantageous to you and your business. Uh, so that's going to wrap up my episode today. I appreciate the comments and questions that we're getting from, uh, from the world out there. Please keep them coming in. And if there's a topic or something that you want me to talk about even more in depth, please reach out. I hope you all have a great day and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.